before, never understood before. And so I'm going to go ahead now and ask you, if you will, with me to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. John 3, 16 and 17 is where we will begin this from. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through uh, but that the world through Him might be saved. Bow with me, Father. We thank You for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we could see and our ears that we could hear and our heart that we could understand what the Word of Truth is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of Your dear Son. Father, we give You glory because we know that Jesus Christ will speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And then we'll receive it, release it to your people, and we'll be transformed by it. Brought into a deeper light of truth and a deeper image of, of your blessed Son. Now, Father, we give you glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. You may be seated. While you're being seated, I want to thank you for the pastoral appreciation gift. Um, Jesse explained the circumstances, and it just so happened that my mother's passing at that time uh, created some obstacles, but I appreciate your gift. It was a blessing to us. I appreciate all those who, uh, who have given, and we received uh, cards and, and uh, blessings from, uh, from others in the church, not only the church. And then I wanted to share with you real quick that up here is a thank you note concerning my mother uh, and all that all of you did in praying and supporting us during that time. We really deeply appreciate it. And so uh, let's get into the Word of God. That's what we're here for. Amen. God is a great God who has established His message for mankind in a tremendously truthful way. Now, I'm sure that there are many people that listen to me preach and say, why do you preach the way you preach, Mike? Why, why don't you tell us nice little stories? Why don't you uh, preach current day? Why don't you try to be a positive self-motivator? Why, why don't you do all of the things that we hear other ministries do? Um, why don't you, why don't you uh, have us do uh, write along notes while you preach? Why, 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 why? That's what other people do. Uh, and, and, you know, when I see people doing that, I think to myself, I'm back in children's church again. Literally, that's how I look at it. Well, I want to tell you that in preaching, God has all kinds of people who make an attempt to share the word of truth. Most of them, you can tell where they are biblically by how they preach. You can tell their depth by how they preach. So if they're doing the sign-in little note system, well, you can tell that their biblical understanding and biblical knowledge has very, very much to be desired because they're still doing it in the children's church way. Uh, so we have those uh, who are doing various styles of ministry and various styles of, 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 of means. Well, then, then you've got those who preach and they work very diligently to break your spirit. And they want you to cry. They will tell anything they can tell that will bring you to tears. Because they feel like if they have broken your spirit down, that from there they have communicated the message of Jesus Christ appropriately. That if you're in tears at the end of the day and, and you're showing great emotion, that they have done a great thing for you in the spirit world. Now that goes over into all of the emotional outbursts that you see in some church. I talked with a guy not long ago um, that told me that you should have been there, preacher. They stomped all over the devil. Okay, I, I, I'm not worried about you stomping all over the devil. I'm worried in how you live. You come into the church and go into histrionics all you want to, but if you can't live out there, and live this life out appropriately, 
then stomping all over the devil when someone else in church is watching you do it because that's why you're doing it? Well, then there's, there's no benefit to that. So we, we find people that try to get into the emotionalism. Everything is emotionalism. Everything is, is, is demonstrated around the emotional aspect. And I guess that that's okay because many pre preachers make a living doing that. They go all over the country and they make people cry and they bring out dramatic emotional outbursts and they walk away feeling like, yes, I've communicated the message of Christ. Then we have the tricksters, those that are trying to trick your spirit. They're trying to trick your spirit and trick your soul. What are they doing? They're trying to make inroads into your mind. They're trying to use philosophy. They're trying to use positive thinking. They're trying to use self-motivation. They're trying to do the same thing that when I look into what Satan did to Eve, that Eve did, that was done to her. They're using all of these tricks in the spirit world so that you can walk out of here and they will have communicated the word of God to you if you feel like that you can step outside that door, square your shoulders back and be anything, think anything, do anything you want to do. Boy, they have achieved whenever you go out of here thinking, I'm bigger and better than anything that attacks me until something attacks you. And then all of a sudden you realize that they've tricked you. They've told you a lie. That wasn't how it worked and operated at all. And you come back on the next Sunday, walking around like this right here, what the old preacher used to call the mully grubs, and you sit down in the chair and they do the same thing. It's like oh, oh, oh Saturday night thing. I'm here to pump you up. You remember that? <laughs> and that's what they do. They pump you up with a message that sends you out into the world feeling like you can overcome anything. And then all of a sudden anything hits you and you're back down in, in, in the bottoms again. One of the things I loved about my mother was my mother would, had a statement that she told everybody. And she got calls from all over the country. And she would say this, if I can't help you with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, then I just can't help you. So I'm not going to try to trick you. I'm not going to try to make you think something that you can do that you can't. For years, I would go into meetings with special programs kids, and I, and I would say to the, to the child who could go under that chair without bumping his head, what do you want to do? I want to play in the NBA. Well, son, you don't even play on the high school team. No, but I'm going to play in the NBA. That's what I want to do. Then I'd go in with some other kids, and they'd say, I want to be a doctor. Well, son, you can't pass ninth grade math. How are you going to be a doctor? And someone would say, well, you, you are just breaking their spirit. I had an athlete come to me one time, about 5 foot 11 inches tall, weighed about 190 pounds, average high school football player. He said, I want to go to LSU, coach. Get me into LSU. I want to play football at LSU. I pulled up the LSU roster. I said, find yourself on there, and if you can, I'll, I'll send you. So we did a little list of all the defensive ends, and he was about – Six inches too short and 100 pounds too small. I said, now go to this roster. Find yourself on there. He was about three inches too short, 75 pounds too small. I said, go to this group, Division Three. Find yourself on there. He said, well, there I am. I said, that's where you should play. So his mom called me and said, you just broke his spirit. He doesn't even want to play football anymore. No, 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 no. There's a difference between breaking spirit and dealing in truth. A broken spirit comes whenever you don't want to identify what is real. You'll get a broken spirit if you go that direction. When you don't want to identify what is real, then yes, you're going to get yourself into a position where if, if you set all of these lofty ideals and have absolutely no means to get there, yeah, you can get a broken spirit on that. But if someone is willing to tell you the truth and show you the truth, show you the truth, then at that point, you have to be intelligent enough to accept the truth. That's the difference. See, people today are trying to trick your spirit. Then there is the guy that is trying to train your spirit and your soul. And he's using the Word of God to train you how to live effectively and appropriately in a fallen world. That guy is me. That's what I do. I do my best to train you 
how to train your own spirit, not to trick you and to tell you that you are the greatest thing in the world that has ever lived in the spirit world and you can go out there and do and be and make and become anything. You know, no, 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 that's not what I do. I try to tell you how to train your spirit man so that your spirit and your soul can live at the highest amount of efficacy and effectiveness in the kingdom of God. If you're willing to be taught that, then this is where you should be listening to the word of God. And I'll say that to all of those of you that are on Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio, and Mike Springston FFC podcast. You determine when you listen to your preacher, what is he doing? Is he trying to make you emotional? Is he trying to trick you? That's the worst of all. Because they'll trick you to go down paths. you got no business to go. And then when you get there and fail, they'll tell you, you just don't have enough faith. What a lie. Then you could come to a place like ours where we're going to teach you and, and instruct you and educate you in how to develop your spirit, man, and how to develop your soul. That's very important because if you can do that, then you can go into the places that you need to go. And none of them have to do with what happens outside that door. You can go into the heavenly domain and hold heavenly tender in the economy of God. And when you hold heavenly tender in the economy of God, you can turn it over and turn it in. And God says, yes, that's my child who has been educated in my spirit. And therefore, because he worships me in spirit and truth, I will be his God and he will be my people. What a blessing, friends. Now we're going to go into this concept. And I, I, I pegged this with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, because I wanted you to see what 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 said. And for this cause, God shall send them, who them? Those that are dealing in nothing but emotion, those that are dealing in nothing but trickery, those that are headed off on some non-spiritual, non-biblical avenue to try to talk about serving God and how God has done this, that, and the other for me. And then they are being brought into delusion because they have believed the lie. They never trained their spirit man. They never educated themselves in spirit and truth. They simply took something, someone tricked them into believing, and that's easy to do. That's how this whole thing got messed up to begin with. Adam or Eve was tricked. And then Adam went along with the trickery. All of that that occurred happened because someone's spirit and soul was tricked. And now we're stuck in this curse unless we know Jesus Christ in the truth of who he is and in the reality of what he has done for us. And if we fail to understand the truth and the reality, we'll never understand what Jesus accomplished between the cross and his position back as the man in the Godhead and what happens. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Think about that. They are brought by trickery. They are brought by lies. They are brought by emotion into a position where they believe something that is absolutely untrue, unscriptural, unbiblical, and they deny the very truth of God's word. What happens? They become damned who believe such because they are not living in the truth. They accepted the lie and it was to them as being unrighteous. What a sad condition to be in. All of these lies work until the struggles of life hit you. Now I'm going to show you this diagram. Because I said all of that to get to this. If we as a body of Christ could understand the simplicity and the veracity of what this diagram does in our life, then we would stop chasing emotionalism. We would stop chasing uh, trickery, lies, 
false doctrine that Paul said was another gospel. We would stop chasing anything other than the spirit and the truth. But as we look at this triangle, we see in the middle of it is the word love. That's what I'm going to attempt to preach about today. We see the base of it, the blood. The blood is the mis most misunderstood, misinterpreted, misused uh, element of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Grace, another misinterpreted, misunderstood, and misused element of what was released from the blood. And then faith, another misunderstood, misused, and misrepresented represented item of which was attached in this triangle because of love. Now we look at this and we know that the word of God declares, for God so loved the world that he gave. And it was from the blood of Jesus Christ that the two side elements came. So the blood is a gift of God. It happened in the person Jesus Christ. He came into this earth. He lived. He came through prophecies 4,000 years long. 300 so prophecies in the Old Testament. And along came a man who would shed his blood. And in the shedding of blood, grace and faith came out of it. But the blood was the reason that grace and faith happened. And love, the blood was the, the uh, element that love brought into the earth. Grace and faith were the items that were gifted by God to man so that man could come through the blood. Without the blood, the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without blood, there is no life. So when God, through love, released blood into the earth, the perfect sacrifice is blood. He then brought grace and faith so that grace and faith being the results of love's blood would be given to you and given to me so that we could come into the knowledge of truth. Why? So that we could develop our spirit man and so that our spirit man would not be led around by emotionalism, would not be able to be tricked. We would be able to look into the spirit and discern what's going on in the spirit world. Now, Hebrews 9.26, want you to see this. Love has been ongoing in the, from the foundation of the earth. From the foundation of the earth, the Godhead suffered. They suffered with the sin of man. But love was the undergirding idea that God had for you and me and all mankind. Look at that. He did not just suffer on the cross, my friend. He didn't do it. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. See, we want to put Jesus' suffering into only the domain of which we can see. We want to put his suffering only into the cross, and we want to put his suffering only into the beating. God has suffered with the foolishness of man since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. God has suffered watching man diabolically oppose him. Watching man with firm intent turn their back on him and say that there are their own gods doing their own thing, living their own way. All the while the Godhead has stood from the foundation of the earth and gone through great pain. The whole Godhead. Gone through great pain. Why? Because man was God's created masterpiece. God created man, and I'm going to show you why he's upset. Now look at this now. Then he says, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The writer says, now he has suffered for, for from the foundation over 4,000 years he suffered. But then Jesus came, and he entered into the walk of man. 
Paul said that he laid himself to the side as the man, the God-man, took on the human flesh of man and came into the earth. Thought it not equal to be equal with God and laid himself aside and became man. Think about that. He entered into the earth for what purpose? To appear to put away all of sin. To do it once and for all so that you, through the love of God, could experience the thing that Israel had and Israel lived in, but Israel could only use as a covering. Now you come about and his blood becomes the thing that puts away sin. Now watch that language. Watch that language. Because that's important language right there. We don't get it. We don't understand it. Why? Because the tricksters are still telling you, you'll sin every day. You should sin every day for all have come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everything about this sin thing, your old man, well, he's still as real today as he ever was, according to them. You're bent. You have a bent to sin. Is that what? Paul said, or the writer of the book of Hebrews said, in Hebrews 9.26, said he in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away, to make an end to it. How did he do it? Well, I'm going to show you how he did it, and it is not done by grace. But, preacher, you're telling me that grace is not the answer to how sin was put away? Well, No. Grace is not the answer to how sin was put away. Grace never has been the answer. What? How did grace become the answer? Because of the tricksters. The tricksters want you to think that you could say with your mouth and then uh, confess and call that believing, and grace will translate you into the Kingdom of God. That's what the tricksters want to believe. Then they want you to believe that grace is going to turn around and everything you do forever, sin or otherwise, going to be all right. But look at the scripture. Look at it. Read it. Think for yourself for a minute. Look at what it said. For then must he often, he had often been in pain. He had often struggled. Why would God turn around and send Jesus Christ to the cross and let him die and just go back to the same old struggling pain watching man live in sin? Why? That don't make no sense to me. Don't make no sense to me. Now, I'm going to tell you when I was a kid, I was a holy terror. Bless God, my mother used to beat me next door to my life. And she would take my daddy's belt from my skull base to my heels because I would run and she would kind You know my mother was wee little, but she was strong and had arms that reached from here to downtown Mount Airy. And she would hold on to me with that belt, whackety, 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 whack. And I didn't realize that the faster the thing goes, on the outside of the circle, the inside of the circle exponentially speeds up. And so as I'm running circles and she's holding on to me, that belt is speeding up. I'm running and it's if I'd have just stood still, it would have hit me like this. And I, but see, I was stupid. I didn't know any better. So she got the beating and I got to running and bless God, I couldn't run away from her because she was holding on to me and I was actually speeding up the whooping. Think about that. The world is stupid. And I'm going to tell you that right now. The world is stupid to think that God would have looked down from the portals of glory and said, what's going on in the earth pains me. It hurts me. I look at it and I'm heartbroken because of what I have done for mankind. And to say that God has made a way and called it grace that says, now if you say you believe in me, live like you want to. Because I'm going to cover it all up in grace. Fooey, hogwash, and stupid. The Word of God says that he suffered from the foundation of the earth to put away sin. To put it away. 
to do away with it by a sacrifice. Now, my friend, this is pure love. This is absolute unfettered love where he would look down at you and say you're stupid. You're ignorant in your living styles. You have become the very evil of which I kicked out of heaven. You are not only ignorant, you don't only do things that are evil, but I love you. So he sends Jesus Christ. He looks down out of the portals of glory and loves you enough that he would send Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, your Redeemer, don't ever get this twisted, has also justified you. Don't ever get this twisted. Redemption by grace, justification by the blood will bring judgment into the lives of mankind. Don't ever get it twisted. What God has done to put away sin will not be tolerated in the lives of those. Now, I'm going to show you in time to come how God has done this for you and given you a mechanism, but you're going to have to ride the wave until I get there because I'm going to show you how God has taken grace and operated grace in all four of its phases for your benefit. But you're just going to have to ride along with me. In the meantime, you're going to have to come through the truth of Scripture. Isaiah 53, 12. Now watch this because this is a very important Scripture. Therefore will I divide him who, Jesus Christ, a portion with the great. Why? Because he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Who are the strong? They are those who have come through him. They are those who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. They are those who have come through the love of God. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. But watch this. And he bare the sin of many people by and made intercession for the transgressor. In other words, he did something by force. By the force of an action that changed the world eternally by love, because of the blood, through grace, by grace, through faith. That's what he did for you and me. He did something about it. He didn't just pray about it. He didn't just think about it. He didn't look around and say, oh, God, what do we do now that the earth has gone after evil, that the people are being stupid. They're all talking a language they understand and thinking that they can build a tower from where they are up to us. People done going crazy. We look around in our world today and we feel the same way. People done going crazy. Have they lost their last mind, their last brain, their last nerve to think that they can tell themselves and think it up in their mind about who they are, what gender they are, what they want to become, who they want to love, how they want to the people done gone crazy. No, we can't get around it. God looked around and said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. What did he do? Let's look at the word. And bear the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. Now, this comes from Isaiah chapter 53. We know that Isaiah chapter 53 said that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of his peace was upon us, and by his stripes we are healed. And there was a man who was full of sorrows and acquainted with grief, whom we thought God turned his eye from and didn't want, didn't love anymore. But all the while, God was looking down and saying, in that man, is going to be a redeemer that is going to be the one that I'm going to divide the portion with the straw. I'm going to give that man the 
absolute blessing of his work. And he is doing something for people that are hurting me, that are paining me, that are causing me great trouble in my heart and in my spirit. But he is interceding. He is coming to do what man could not do. Look at the scripture. He said that he was made. He was made. What's that mean? There was a force that pushed him. What was that force? We found that in Hebrews chapter 9. What was that force? It was the pain that was going on in heaven. Because as God looked down on man, he said they are the most rebellious. They are the most rejectful. They are the most disobedient. And they are the most unrighteous. They have believed a lie and are damned. Think about that. They believed a lie and they're damned. But then Jesus came. God said that man is going to be the one that is going to come and solve this iniquity and transition, transgression business. He's going to be the one that's going to come and solve this lack of peace business. He's going to be the come that one that's going to come and by the very stripes upon his back is going to solve this Forgiveness and healing business that man so desperately needs. Paul turned around in Romans chapter 10 and said, Now, if you believe on that, and you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. We don't understand that today. We want to believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is a man of grace. Tricked. Fooled. I want to say this about intercession. Intercession is an act. I'll prove it to you. It is not a posture. Intercession is an act. What Jesus Christ did for us was an act. It was not a posture. He did not pray. He acted. The Godhead did not pray. They acted. Now I want you to see that. And there is the question that what happened at the cross, the most powerful single event in the history of the world happened at the cross. And we have to bring that back to understand it from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Listen to what Paul said. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He didn't send me. To bring emotion into your life. Think about it. Someone said, Pastor, is emotion wrong? Well, emotion isn't wrong when it comes out of the spirit world. Emotion is never wrong when it is brought out of the spirit world. Emotion is never wrong whenever it is brought from the inner man who is flowing out of you as a river of living water. Emotion isn't wrong. Emotion is wrong when you conjure it up based on things that you make up in your own mind. If you are having emotions about Jesus Christ, my mother could read the Word of God where Jesus was whipped and cry. Paul looked at the cross. And it literally killed him. He said, for I am crucified with him. His emotions, his mind, his will were all broken. Are there going to be feelings in these natural bodies? Whenever we come to the understanding of who we're worshiping? Absolutely. Why do we know it? Because in heaven today, they stand to their feet and clap their hands. And they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 holy. Oh, bless him who is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Holy is that. Do you think that's not an emotional moment in heaven? When they look up and see the man whose hands were scarred for their ability to be where they are, that there's not an emotion that is explored there? Absolutely. 
Oh, yeah. Emotion under the right foundation for the right reason is always acceptable. But is it acceptable because someone played on how you feel? I used to have a friend that would say all the time, Oh, so-and-so. Oh, so-and-so. <laughs> oh, I miss him, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved him. I got great memories of him. But I ain't getting emotional about that. Because I ain't got to. Why? How could you not? Well, I know where they are. I know what they're doing. I know whom they're praising. I know what they're looking upon. And I know that what they're looking upon now is better than when they looked upon me. Amen? So I'm not going to be tricked into emotion. I'm not going to be tricked into doctrines. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm going to preach the gospel. The gospel is a very clear word of God. The gospel has a doctrine that is absolutely clear and succinct concerning what the Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ has taught us. Well, we know that He taught us ten things out of John chapter 1 alone. He's eternal. He's creator. He's personal. He's life. He's light. He's glory. He is salvation. He is grace. And He is truth. We know that He has taught us these things about Jesus Christ. So I don't have to wonder where the tricks are. I don't have to find a means of self-motivation. I don't have to listen to foolish preaching that of people that are telling me I can live my best life now and never even include the Word of God. Paul said, I'm preaching the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ, now this is big right here, now this is big what I'm about to say, be of none effect. The gospel is the inclusion of all of the acts and replications of Jesus Christ. They are the acts of love that God has made to frame Himself in the believer and to form Jesus Christ in you. Now that's big. He said that, that, that none of the works of the cross should be made of none effect. Now wait a minute. What is He talking about here? What are the works? Look at that. That none should made of that that lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, what happened in the cross? Well, Jesus died there, didn't he? Then we know that he didn't stay there. He went to the tomb, didn't he? We know that he didn't stay there. He went down into the region of the dam and was resurrection. That none of the works of the cross are not given their full effect. We know that he didn't stay there. We know that from the cross, he went to be the high priest over his own sacrifice. Then he went to be in his lordship. And then he went to be the man in the Godhead where he provided and produced a means of communication for you and me so that we could be up to the moment of what's happening in the heavenly economy. Now, this is what Paul is teaching. For the preaching of the cross. Now, watch this now. To them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, the cross represents the power of God. Why would it represent the power of God? Because it was the place from which the catalytic events that followed Jesus Christ all the way back to the Godhead. Now remember in Hebrews 9.26 when I said that from the foundation of the world they were pained by what was going on? Why would we ever consider that Jesus Christ, whom the angel came in Matthew chapter 1 and called him uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Why would we ever consider that the one who in Luke chapter 2 the angel said would be the Lord Jesus Christ would not go back full cycle? And why would we not understand that when Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 that he was the man in the Godhead bodily, that the effects of the cross would 
should not become the absolute measuring stick and portions of which the blood and grace and faith would let us know what God is, who He is, and what He has done to defeat sin in your life once and for all. Why? Well, because no one ever told us. They've been telling us how to live our best life now, preacher. They've been told telling us how to think positive. Just think positive. See everything positively. How just see it it's as if this is a blessing for you. You ain't got a nickel to rub against the dollar, but uh, you just think positive. Everything going to work out. There's a God in heaven, and he's working on your behalf. Really? He didn't work on my behalf yesterday or the day before. And the day before, well, when does he begin working on my behalf? That's the question. Well, I want to tell you when. When we begin to understand the, the foundations of how he has produced for you to walk through, for him to be able to work on your behalf. If you don't understand that, you are the one that is handcuffing his hands, not him. You are the one that is doing that. Why? Because you don't know. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to pray. You get down on your face and you get emotional about it and you think that moves God. That doesn't move God, my friend. Knowing the Word of God moves God. Knowing how to pray moves God. Knowing that when you pray correctly that Jesus Christ is praying for you, that moves God. I'm going to teach you all of this, how to pray correctly. Now, I want to tell you, I prayed that way this morning and you all didn't even realize it. I went into prayer this morning and began to pray according to the, to the prayer that moves heaven and you all didn't realize it. I entered into the throne room of grace and there found grace and mercy to help in time of need and you didn't realize it. What did we not realize whenever I begin to pray to him in the position of lordship and begin to call on him as the mediator of a better covenant? That's whenever I begin to pray in language God understands. God understands what he has done. He knows what he has completed in Jesus Christ. It's the one that doesn't is the one who lives in a half-hearted way, in a half-hearted world, tricked and deceived by the message of the gospel that is half-hearted at best. Aha! Aha! So you mean to tell me that if I change the way I pray, God will begin to move on my behalf? Well, I want to tell you, not what I said. Look what Paul said. He said, for the preaching of the cross and the effects of the cross, to them the perish are foolish. They stay in positions where God is not moving, where there is like a glass ceiling over their head. They can see it up there, but they have no idea how to get there. There was a squirrel the other day I saw in a little movie. Got inside the motel. The motel had glass doors. There was a man over on that side who opened the glass door, and the squirrel was bouncing off the window, bouncing off the window, bouncing off the window. And the man said, well, then I'll just go out the outside, and I'll open the door from the outside, and the squirrel will come out. What did the squirrel do? The squirrel saw the man go around, get over here, so he ran over where the man was. Bouncing off the window. Bouncing off the window. No, he ain't getting out. Why? Because he's handcuffing himself. He's keeping himself from getting out. Why? Because he doesn't know better. Because he doesn't know better. Because he doesn't know better. That's why we're handcuffed. We're banging our head on a glass ceiling because we don't know better. We don't understand what it is we should be doing. Because we watch mama and grandpa sit and hold on to the railings of a chair and cry and weep and cry and weep. And we thought that was the means, that's the way, it's got to be the way. Because you know mama, the greatest Christian I ever saw. Facts are. Facts are. That ain't the way to move heaven. That isn't the way to move heaven. The way to move heaven is to understand what Paul has said here. Lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the very power of God. Because we could come through the cross, 
and we can go into the tube and we can die to our flesh. What's that mean? Now watch it here now. That means we get out of all that emotional stuff. We get out of all those things in our emotions that draw us down, that draw us back. Paul called those the weight of sin that does so easily beset us. We go into that tomb and we drop off all that foolishness. We don't, we don't get into that emotional stuff. No, no, not that kind of emotion. Not the kind of emotion that draws down my spirit. Not the kind of emotion that is trying to bring me back into the reality of which I'm living. No, 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 no. I'm not going there. When I go to the tomb, I'm dropping all that foolishness off. All of this stuff that is keeping me from being elevated into the, what the cross has produced for me. I'm dropping all that off. That's what the tomb is for. Now then, whenever I go on over here and get in the resurrection, I now become delivered from that old sin nature. Why? Because that's what the cross has done for me. The cross has made me by the force of love and the blood to become something that I could never be. And whenever I come out of there, I am something by the force. Listen to what the Word of God said for our Second Corinthians chapter um, Two, uh, two, uh, five, chapter 5 and verse 20. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Watch it now. What are we? We're made something. Look at the scripture. Of, lest the cross of Christ should be made by force of none effect. Then Paul turns around to 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 and tells us by that force we are made to be the righteousness of God. Now, when we come into the righteousness of God, it is at that very moment that all of a sudden, everything in our lives change. And now we can progress into Him as the high priest, into Him as the Lord, into Him as the man in the Godhead. How did, how did all this happen? By love. Love did it all for you. Love did it for you as the believer. Love made an avenue for you as the believer. Now, as we go through this, and I'm done for the day, I've probably gone over time. I didn't intend to. But as we go through this, I'm going to teach you how to pray with a fervent, effectual prayer. Now, I want you to notice this, and then I'm done. The fervent, effectual prayer, James chapter 5 can only come from a righteous man. Yes. Did you hear me? Yes. How do we become a righteous man? We didn't get it at the cross. We didn't get it in the tomb. We became righteous when we came out delivered from the old nature. Now, the Bible said, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. That righteous man now has the ability to pray a prayer that is passionate. That is moving. Because he begins to go into the positions where that prayer is heard. Bow your head. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Now, Father, as we pray today, we come to you first of all as advocate. You are our advocate as the high priest. I ask you today, if there's any sin in our lives, unrepented of, may we repent of it. As our advocate, may we repent of our sin. In the name of Jesus, you're an advocate for us. Then I come to you today in your Lordship. You are the mediator of a covenant. From your rule and your reign, you are the Lord, the one who rules and reigns. If there's any healing that needs to be done, if there's any deliverance that needs to be done, that the covenant of which you mediate in the name of Jesus 
will begin to move upon. May it begin right now. May it begin in heads, hearts, necks, livers, lungs, joints. May it begin to minister over flus and colds. May it begin to minister over eyes. May it begin to minister over every need, every need represented in your child of which the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ has already spoken to and said that in me every promise is yea and amen. There is no nay but all yea as we come through your Lordship. Now in the name of Jesus. Pray. Pray, Jesus, and mediate that covenant and heal your people. Then is there any communication that I need to know about? Is there anything coming from the throne room of God that I need to be aware of? Intercede. Come on the scene and act in my life. May the Spirit be tuned in. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will act in intercession in my life. Now, Father, I receive it all in the name of Jesus. For He is my High Priest, my Lord, my Man in the Godhead. I pray from a heart of righteousness. I've been made that way by the power of God that happened in the cross. You love me. Stand with me now and receive it. Father, we receive your word and your blessing today. We receive you. We receive you in the name of Jesus. We receive the advocacy of the high priest, the mediatorship of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the intercession of who you are as the man in the Godhead of which I am completed in. Thank you, Father. We receive it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. If you've heard this on video today through our media outreach, may God bless you. If you're not saved, today is your day. Simply ask the Lord to come into your heart. Ask Him in truth to come into your heart through the blood. And He will save you. And grace, the portion of grace that is associated with the saving power of God through Jesus will come to you as you operate your faith. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people that you will allow the Word of God to be completed in their heart and spirit and truth. May they never be the same. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Now, Wednesday night, we will not have service. We'll all enjoy Thanksgiving. Tonight at 6 o'clock, I'll be back on Facebook for our 6 p.m. service. If you're not listening to us on podcast, you need to. Um, our Sunday morning services uh, at times live are going over 100 listeners. Um, we're in five states in the United States right now, and God is moving in His Word, and you need to be a part of that because I don't always get to preach everything that I'm teaching. Mike Springston, FFC Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, all of those. May God richly bless you. Have a great and blessed Thanksgiving week. God bless you.